This is Movie Hopping for Tuesday, December 18th, 2018. We're back. We're back, bitches. Yeah. I'm very, I'm slightly uncomfortable. I'm trying to adjust my, my balls. And, I was going to say, dick. you've been grabbing your crotch. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> I like this, this position I've got, like where I, I cross my leg, but the problem is I like, I like, like compress my balls and my dick like a vice. And it's just, uh, it's making me very uncomfortable. I got to be honest with I, you. Or, the second <laughs> the song starts, I just see Adam fondling himself. I am not fondling myself. Is it the choice of jeans there? Is it like, no, this, these jeans are very comfortable. Is it your giant Penis? It's What's my enormous cock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, are you comfortable now? Uh, uh, yeah, I feel good. Okay, good. <laughs> I can get you a cup, maybe. Maybe that'll help. Ooh. Yeah. Did you wear the cup? Uh, if, if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> we can make that work. Please don't wear the cup, Nico. I don't watch your used cup. I do. Here's the thing about uh, balls and stuff. Uh. Like, we have not figured out a way to keep those things contained. No. And I feel like if there was somebody out there that really perfected the ball and shaft management technique, they could make a shit ton of money off of it. Mm. I just feel like that market is out there. We need a good ball and shaft man, though. That's true. It's hard hard to find a guy like that. Who's a good ball and shaft man? Who do you think? Could Elon Musk manage it? Oh, Elon. Well, he's got a lot of time on his hands. I know. And I bet you. (laughs) I know he does. You know, if he could just sort of take a second and shift his mind from mars to his own genitals maybe that would work like we don't need i mean your flamethrower is cool but i mean come on now you need a guy that is just worried about the regular ins and outs of manhood like you need like just a you need like a tim allen you know what i mean (laughs) like you need just somebody that's like Uh. just smart enough but not too smart where he's gonna want to take his talents elsewhere Hmm. you know what i'm saying smart enough but doesn't want to take his talents elsewhere you know i always like 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 who's like a billionaire that's sort of like a like an everyday billionaire Hmm. where it's like yeah i could i could get along with that billionaire uh Uh, maybe that dude that the hell that started mcafee john mcafee was like that crazy guy that killed a dude in africa what the hell? Yeah, that that's oh, John McAfee. Ran for libertarian president. Oh, God, okay. I like John McAfee. All right. That's a guy that would be buried in his own testicles and would enjoy his time there. I respect a man who's buried in his own testicles. <laughs> but um, what's the name? We, 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 we had this this guy at Trivia, very like blue-collar blue billionaire who flew a jet into some weird, dangerous territory. What the hell was his name? What are you talking about? What the fuck was his name? Started with an R. Richard Branson? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> that dude's like flying spacecraft. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. What the fuck was his name? There are too many billionaires, and that's a problem, but I can't think of his name. Okay. But well, I looked up a video of him, and he just seemed like the, the, the coolest, most blue-collar motherfucker I've ever seen. So Okay, that's who you need. So, yeah, we need this guy, whoever yeah, he is. That, that's my call out to everybody. Uh, I, I, I find it so funny. If somebody's listening to this for the first time, maybe they're like perusing the internet because they want a review of their new favorite art house foreign film. Yeah. And and they just stumbled upon this. Yeah, I know. Just every once in a while, guys, we can't help but talk about our dicks or our right. balls. <laughs> we, Actually, just, we just thin the herd immediately. Every- if you can't make it through the first two minutes of this podcast, get out. Yeah, no, it's like the opening of La La Land. Right. We don't want your kind here. We're throwing down the gauntlet. Lots of cock talk on this podcast. This absolute shite. Um, we're talking about Roma today. Yes, we are. We'll get to it. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. but we're taking our time. 
Yeah, okay. we need a little foreplay on this podcast. Ooh. You got to ease your way in. Is that where this this whole conversation comes in? Yeah. Like like more literal foreplay? No, just it's, it's getting... metaphorical, but it can become literal pretty soon. Well, if you want, guys, you can if you're if you got your speakers and they're big speakers, you can straddle them. But right. you have to lay them on the ground. Yes, and, like and, Howard Stern used yeah, to do. We will vibrate into the microphone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a great podcast idea. <laughs> you just have it's just one dude on a mic just going. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, that one threw you off. What a great idea. And that's all it is, is it's what you're just, saying. It's just vibrator the podcast. <laughs> that's what it is. We'll be going through some some uh, Asian influence vibrating noises now. <laughs> all, all the way from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> By Japanese <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the first thing you think of? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That's how the Japanese get off, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Okay, uh, we're talking movies today. <laughs> we're talking about a very beautiful, heartbreaking uh, mm-hmm. film that is going to win a lot of awards. That's, uh, that's so right. let's let's ease into that, shall we? Whew. Um <laughs> what movies have you seen recently, Adam Hall? Uh, I well, I saw Roma. Right. What else did I, you see? Hmm. Well, uh, uh, hmm. What else have I seen? I haven't been watching any movies. What's up with you? Yeah, this is kind of a slow year for me. I haven't been watching many movies at all. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Is it like a reflection of your life, or is it a reflection of the fact that not a lot of good movies have come out in 2018. <laughs> I haven't been interested in seeing many movies, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Most of the movies that I would see anyway are just films that are already on my list of movies that I need to see. Right. So, but even some of those that were on your list, and there were a few that you were excited for, by the end of it, it just sort of petered out. Yeah. Like, I, I can just think of a number of, of films. Like, First Reformed was one you were really excited for, and you just sort of shrugged that one off. That's part of because I just never had... I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't really find that one. And I I lost time to see Sicario. But again... First Man was another one for you? Yeah. That, uh, you, of course, because it's Damien Chazelle, I think you were excited. And then by the time it came out, you were indifferent. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just a, a pattern with this year. And, well, this is and this is the thing is that if it were something like if... If it was uh, on the level of excitement of like Blade Runner for me last year, I would have found time to rush out and see it. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if I, I was like strapped with time or I didn't have much money or anything like that. I would have just gone and seen the movie. Right. Uh, but for some reason, these, I don't know, they didn't really interest me. For at, at the end of it all, I ended up seeing Halloween three times. Right. Which is kind of funny. But yeah. <laughs> uh, No, you're right, though. If there is an enthusiasm... And if the trailers inspire that enthusiasm, time has never really been an issue for me. Yeah. Like, I just watch movies a lot. That's yeah, one of the things exactly. that I do. It's not something that I do if I don't have time. It's something that I do with my time. Yep. You know? Exactly. And uh, I, I sort of feel the same way as you, although I've had a lot more time recently, is that none of these movies have inspired that much just sort of hype. There's a lot of blah, and they look fine, but that's the thing. I just look at t- this year, and I'm like, it's either terrible or it's like, yeah, it's fine. Right. It's fine. And also, like, nothing particularly ambitious. Like, if you look at the films that are being celebrated, like, particularly A Star is Born, mm-hmm. and, I don't know, something like Widows, 
something like Mission Impossible, some of the movies that I've been seeing on a lot of these end-of-the-year top ten lists. These are all fairly derivative products. Yep. You know, as a matter of fact, many of them are remakes or sequels to previous films. You know, Black Panther's another one. That That's a movie that I've seen on essentially every top ten list on the internet. I don't think a single one didn't have Black Panther on it. <laughs> Which and is I, a shame. Yeah, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay... Yeah, it's one of the better Marvel movies. In my opinion, it's probably one of the three or four best. <laughs> but <laughs> I know you disagree. So full of shit. No, I know you disagree. But even so, like, no Marvel movie has ever found its way on my top ten list. Like, ever. Like, I've never even considered putting a Marvel movie on my top ten. It's just funny to me because Black Panther doesn't even make the top 20. Yeah. Black Panther sucks. Yeah, I know. You hate Black Panther a lot. <laughs> There's nothing to gain from that movie. I, I still struggle to understand what people saw in that movie. Right. Other than the fact that it's, I don't know, it's diverse. It's socially it's aware. Socially aware. Cool. Yeah. So what? But you know what? <laughs> watch, the... it, watch it in a bubble and see how it feels. And we're, But here's the thing, though. We're talking about this in a few weeks, so... I, I sort of have a larger point to make, specifically about the film Widows, which will definitely be on my top ten list uh, when the time comes for that. That's a movie that does social commentary so much more eloquently than Black Panther does. Yeah. And and there's been a number of those films this year. I just saw this movie called Sorry to Bother You, um, which is um, not a particularly great movie. It, it had a lot of buzz because it's very ambitious. The director, Boots Riley, is a sort of flamboyant artist type um, he has a very specific voice and style, and visually this movie just pops. Uh, but that's, you know, another movie similar to Black Panther, similar to Black Klansman, that's, that has the right ideas, but just executes them in the most heavy-handed way possible. Whereas something like Widows just sort of subtly hints at some of the social commentary and does it so much more effectively for me, yeah. you know? Uh, so as much as, like, we want to say, oh, cinema's getting more woke... And look at us, we're so liberal and progressive and, and forward-thinking. You've sort of lost sight of the fact that you're supposed to be making a movie first. And the themes come second, right? Like, the, the your, your first job as a storyteller is to tell a compelling story. <laughs> and, and, you know, Sorry to Bother You is a movie that goes into weird directions. And Black Panther is just another CGI fuckfest, in my opinion. <laughs> like, tell a good story. Yeah, man, tell a good and, and there just there haven't been a number of compelling stories this year, and the most compelling stories, unfortunately, are the most derivative. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been very let down, honestly. Yeah, this year has been been like like bad in the way like you know it's like it's like the movies where you're looking at them and you're describing them. It's like it's not bad, but it's not good, and that's the worst kind of place to fall. That just feels like the movies of this year. Yeah, how they've just been consistently sort of okay, and they haven't inspired anything. And the talk that they have inspired, we've already heard. You know, right. you, know you know, till the cows come home, and it's just, oh my god, I'm just tired. It I'm almost, tired. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It almost feels like these films have responded to culture rather than creating their own culture. And maybe that's the problem. Sure, it's like there's no films this year with it like an iconic score or an iconic shot or an iconic performance that you're going to revisit. It's just all sort of responding to 2018 and and playing it safe and just sort of recycling the same themes we've seen over the last 5 yeah. years. It's like, I don't know, stop stop watching the news, guys. Just I know. 
Just like, you know, come up with some weird idea that you had, you know, while sitting in, on your porch. I don't care. Right. Like, that's all I care about. It's true. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's nice to see something like, like Widows, though. Right. Widows. Even Hereditary is, sure. is, is nice to see, as, 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 you know, fucked up as that movie is. But, you know, it's also because those movies are made by good filmmakers. Widows especially. Right. <laughs> you know, it would be nice to, I don't know, you know, have more, more of our great filmmakers working and doing shit. I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know, a lot of these voices now are just kind of lazy. I hope it's an anomaly. Yeah. I, re- I really hope that this year is an anomaly, because I really did like the movies of last year. Yeah. Yeah, the last year, ended. I ended up liking it. At, yeah. fir- at first, it was kind of slow, but then... I thought by the end of it, I just thought there were like three or four borderline classics that came out last year. Yeah. And, uh, man, I just don't feel that way. I don't know how many of these movies would make my top ten last year. I, maybe only one or two would actually make my final list. Oh, none of them, probably for me. Yeah, it's crazy. Probably, yeah, no, it'd, it'd be, well, there's a few that might knock a, a couple off. I mean, what would do it? Hereditary might get on my list for last year. Uh, Widows again, maybe. Buster Scruggs, maybe. Just by virtue of the fact that it's a Coen Brothers film. Kind of. Right? Like, like, Buster Scruggs is probably, is, is better than Shape of Water, most of those. I agree. Uh, Wholeheartedly. Uh, but I like Buster Scruggs probably more than The Last Jedi. Yeah, maybe. And I like The Last Jedi quite a bit, but you know. Maybe that makes it on. You're right. You're right. All right. Well, well we have plenty of top 10 talks still to come, but first let's talk about a movie that's going to be getting a lot of buzz, mm-hmm. and that's going to be talked about a shit ton for the next three months. And I, in my opinion, this should be considered the second favorite to win best picture i think i think yeah. more likely and just by how i've been consuming the, this conversation and it, i don't know it's it's a conversation that is very rarely about actual merit and about what movies have inspired the most acclaim and more about politics that's just the way that the best picture race has gone uh, but if I'm interpreting things correctly, it's going to be A Star is Born and Roma. Those two are with maybe an outside shot for the favorite. But those are the two that are more likely than not going to win Best Picture this year. Oh, my favorite's getting it. Yeah, you don't think so? Yorgos ain't getting anywhere. A lot of buzz for the favorite. Yeah. You don't think so? No. It's 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 a Yorgos movie that, from and I haven't seen it yet, but it's a Yorgos movie that is sort of accessible to the 80-year-old Oscar voters. It's a costume drama. So what? You know? I <laughs> it's mean, a could... Yorgos movie. Yeah. But it's a period piece. But it's a Yorgos movie. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's getting a nominated for Best Director, though. All right. I mean, I want to see it. I mean, I love that guy. I would love to see Yorgos as he... that Greek fuck just sitting he... there yeah. next to Spike Lee. <laughs> he made like... Oh, God. What the hell does that even mean? No, but he made like my fifth favorite film of last year, probably fourth favorite. So, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And and I I'm sure we will like this one. We do need to go see it. Yeah. A lot of talk for that too with the performances. Apparently, all three of those women are just tremendous in it. That trailer again. I was like, he shoots his films like fucking Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it looks exactly like a Kubrick film. It's yeah. weird, but yeah, no, I can't wait. We should try to squeeze that conversation before the end of the year because mm. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, Roma is directed by Alfonso Cuarón. Cuarón. The Mexican visionary yeah. who did Gravity, which I kind of like. I like. Who did Children of Men, which I love very much like, and did Itu Mama Tambien. Have you seen that? Which I fucking love. Haven't seen that then. 
yeah, you, you need to see that movie. He's also made uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban, which I love quite a bit. Which I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking weirdo. You fucking weirdo. I'm too busy watching Itu Mama Tambien. I'll end up seeing that. That movie is awesome. <laughs> okay. Everybody's talking about, oh, Alfonso's going all small and independent no, and he's personal. Done that. And it's like, dude, fucking watch Itu Mama Tambien. That's just like a classic road trip movie <laughs> with charismatic performances and sexy scenes. And it's just great. I love that movie. It's so touching and it's so adventurous and awesome. I'll see it. Yeah. I'm, 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 there's a, still a ton of directors and, you know, interesting filmmakers that I've yet to go through all their film- filmography so he's he's one of them so let me tell you my history with Alfonso oh yeah You're, you have a history with well, Alfonso what are you talking about okay so I went uh, I went to Emerson College my freshman year of college and that was the same year that Gravity came out Gravity came out that October and I was sweet mates with a filmmaking student from Mexico <laughs> Okay, and and we became very good friends my freshman year, and we would go see a lot of movies together. And his favorite director, I think, was Alfonso Cuarón. This is the same guy who likes Mikhail Hanukkah. Yes, 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 loves Mikhail Hanukkah and loves Alfonso. And I think part of that is because he is also Mexican, and I think sort of feels a camaraderie uh, on cultural lines. So he's probably a big Inuritu fan as well? Yes. Uh, however, I, I never got a chance to talk to him about Inuritu because Birdman was the following year. So I went and saw Gravity with him in the theater, and he absolutely loved that movie. I like Gravity. And as a result of that, I sort of went in a deep dive and watched Children of Men and, uh, and <clears throat> Itu Mama Tambien and liked them a lot. Um, I don't think my enthusiasm will ever reach the enthusiasm that my sweetmate had that year. And for that reason, I've always sort of considered him, perhaps unfairly, a director that I admire but don't quite get. Um, although I think, like, he's great with the camera and just his ability to make something look big and make something look important, as small as it might be, is just striking. Like, I don't think there's a director that does scale quite like Alfonso does. That's fair. Um, that being said, this is not a film that is big. It's very small and very personal, and at times is more intimate than anything I've seen on the screen this year. And I wonder that if you felt the same way, but I sort of had the impression that this grand scope and this larger-than-life style is not necessarily suited to the material of Roma. Uh, hmm. this is, I'll, I'm, I'll start by saying that I think this movie is probably the most deserving of best picture. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I'd rather see this get best picture than a star is born as much as I love a star is born. But I, I, I say that because this is, you know, it's a film in the purest form and it's very, very ambitious. And I love seeing that out of any film. Uh, that doesn't mean I particularly enjoyed watching it. <laughs> uh, and it is this movie's fucking gorgeous. It's stunning. Absolutely gorgeous. Every shot of this film oh is stunning. Oh, my God. And if Karan doesn't get a best cinematography, that would be a, a, a big letdown. Probably, yes. This was an, a, a, a beautiful film visually and even thematically. It's it, There's a lot of really touching and interesting moments. But it's there's something kind of cold about this one. Right. Right. There's a weird distance, and even with the way it's shot, maybe it was deliberate, I don't know, 
but I checked out of this one frequently. Yeah. Literally, I would check out and come back to it. I'm just like, nah, mm. nah, not feeling it. Some people are saying that that's because it's not being watched on the big screen. Possibly. And and that's a that's a big element to consider here. It's one of the main conversations being had online. I, I thought of that significantly when I'm just like, oh, I'd love to hear how this film actually sounds. Right. <laughs> Instead, I'm watching this on my TV yeah. in my fucking bedroom. It's yeah. like what like this is clearly a big screen movie and has done well in theaters. It's sure. it's in a limited release, but has made a lot of money because Netflix decided to put it out for a limited run. Um I I I, I kind of feel like this is the Worst movie ever to put on Netflix. <laughs> like, there, like, there's this does not belong on a medium where people are checking their phones and walking in and out of the room and can pause it and resume it whenever they want. Yes. Like, I just feel like it's a movie that requires a lot of concentration, and commitment, and and yeah, and Netflix doesn't yeah. necessarily reward concentration. Like, no. it's it's a medium for guys that want to have something on in the background. It's no, it's literally set up so that you can stop and go whenever you want. Right. That's the point. It's supposed to be that accessible and you know that escapable. Right. Whereas the theater, you actually have to commit to the idea that you're about to watch a, a movie in its purest form or or just a big spectacle. Right. And this is both. Yes, and I do feel like if I did see this in the theater as I'm sure a lot of hardcore movie I'm, fans would have, they would have been blown away by it. And and I'm, I'm sure I would have been blown away by it as well. Because it does sort of have like this hypnotic quality. I was going to really, say like... If you allow yourself to be taken over by it. Mm-hmm. You know? I felt that way frequently when I got when I decided to get back into it, especially in the second half, by the way. Right. I'm just like, whoa, I, this movie is just like... I'm in like a trance by, right. by, by just the way it looks and the way it's shot and... The way it holds on on the emotions of certain characters at, at at certain points of the film, it's it's yeah, it's weird and hypnotic, and it just it's it's very kind of like oddly satisfying in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but also very emotionally satisfying if you're if you're really with it in the story, right? Uh, but that I will say this though, that first half, yeesh. um, yeah, it's challenging, yeah, it's challenging, it's 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 I don't even know, it's it's something that. It wasn't a case of like I don't want to be in this world with these characters. It's just that you're really not grabbing me at all. No, it you're, doesn't. It doesn't go anywhere. You're really not doing anything for me, movie. You got to give me something here, right? And it's the it's the it's the constant uh, debate where it's like, do you want to go for realism or do you want to make it bigger or more theatrical and cinematic? And this film kind of uh, uh, has its cake and eats it too, right? Yeah, doesn't really go for one or the other. Yeah, I mean, because clearly, see, that's the thing. Caron's sensibility is is large. Mm-hmm. His sensibility is children of men. Like he loves ten minute single takes, <laughs> and he loves giant ex- explosions and and landscapes. And although his movies are personal, like I've always felt like his movies were human. He wants to go to outer space. Like the dude doesn't doesn't necessarily want to shoot a living room. So when he does shoot a living room, I, I sort of. I get the sense that he's trying to make it look bigger than it actually is. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, do you want me to think that this is the most important story I've ever seen? <laughs> or do you want me to think that this is just your childhood? And I'm okay with it being small. I love small films. Mm-hmm. But I, I, don't, I, I felt those two tendencies sort of at odds with one another sure. while watching it. And, and so for that reason, it never really clicked for me. Mm-hmm. It never really clicked. It's like, all right, this scene looks incredible but it consists of a woman cleaning up dog shit in a garage. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I mean, fine. I've never seen dog shit being cleaned up in that remarkable of a way. I agree. I kind of thought the exact same thing. But I... that's a tonal, t- 
tonal shift there. I mean, there's 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 something at odds with one there's another. There's a weird, almost deliberate disconnect. Yeah. I felt it the entire way through. There was a striking lack of personality for this film for me. Yeah. And I, I kept thinking about other films watching it, where, which are a little more autobiographical. And this film actually feels a lot like French New Wave films to me. Okay. It feels a lot like something like uh, like Francois Truffaut might have made. It, it feels a lot like 400 Blows in a lot of ways. Okay. Which is sort of, which is actually very autobiographical. But the thing is that movie has like energy and life and spirit. And there's a, there's a rhythm and enthusiasm to every single shot and every single character. And it's lived in and it's just beautiful and it's real. And this film has some of that stuff. But it just feels like it's, I don't know, like it's its taking itself too seriously. Hmm. The film's not funny. No, it's certainly not At funny. all. Yeah, it's not funny. It's, and it's like, ugh, like, Jesus, is, the, is, your, is your life story really this serious? Because I didn't even get that from what was actually happening to the characters half the time. Right. Um, well, I did find one. There's scene, a few in moments. In particular, sure. very, very funny. And we'll get to that in a second. Um. <laughs> Caron did say in an interview that this is not only his life story, but it's meant to be told from the perspective of someone that lived it. And that's the reason why it's shot in black and white. There's a little bit of a disconnect between you and your memory. It's not exactly... It's crystal clear in that it's not hazy. It's shot with precision, but some of the colors are off. And so, therefore, some of the memories are a bit askew. Which is interesting. Yeah. And it's also, according to him, supposed to be about the way that children experience those memories. When you're a kid, the world looks much bigger to you than it does when you're 25. Sure. And and particularly when you're telling those stories and you go and revisit some of those old places that you grew up. Like I, I used to live in a condo in Newington 10 years ago. Uh, actually longer than that, like 13 years ago. And just a few years ago, I went back and revisited that same neighborhood and started walking around just to see what it looked like and if my memory served me accurately. And as it turns out, like, it's totally different. It looks so much smaller than it did back then. Oh, no. I've, I've had the exact same experience because I used to live in Maryland. And every once in a while, we find ourselves down there and we end up going to our old neighborhood. I remember the first time we went down there, like, 15 years later. I was, like, 20. And I'm just like... Oh my God! It's it's it's, it's so tiny. tiny. It's, it's so tiny. It's like l- literally tiny. I know. It's like I couldn't believe. It's it. like you're living in like a dollhouse. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's sort of because you're a kid. Your perspective is smaller. Everything is more important. Everything's more meaningful. It's your formative years. So I understand it from that point of view. And so in that way, I, I understand what Karan was going for. And I would never accuse the guy of. Of of not understanding, like the dude is a is a master filmmaker, and yes. if he doesn't hit at times, it, it's not because he's done a poor job. It's just because he didn't speak to me in the way that some other filmmakers no. speak to me. And I should probably clarify this that I don't think this is a bad film at all. Oh no, at I, all. I mean, we are being very critical about it. Yes, but it's but it's this is a like sort of a, a case in point. It's it's like a yeah. I, I say this a lot where there are just some films just their essence is not for you. Right. Every once in a while. But, you know, that doesn't mean you should take away from the merits of the film anyway. And you should try to look at it a little more objectively. It's my Citizen Kane versus Predator argument, which sure. I make all the time. Exactly. You know, like Citizen Kane's <laughs> a wonderful film. And I like Citizen Kane, but I'm never going to like it as much as Predator. Right. Because that's more for me. It just speaks to you. Yeah. And that's that's cool. I mean, it's just a matter of taste. I just think like, you know, I, I, I watched it. I appreciated it for what it was. Yes. Um, And I will say this. That third act, oh, um, particularly like the last... 20 to 30 minutes and you know what i'm talking about the the uh the 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 scene where she goes into labor 
and the even, the, even the, like the the ten to twenty minutes leading up to that. Yeah, including the oh. war, the 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 riots in the streets, and then all the way up until the last couple of scenes where she saves the children from drowning in the ocean. Um, physically like shook me in a way that I haven't been shook in a film in a very long time. Certainly not not, like nothing else this year. Yeah. I felt emotionally unwell. Mm. Like I I sort of like, I felt like I might vomit. Like that's how, (laughs) no, I'm saying like, that's how much this movie just shook me. And it's not even an experience that I enjoyed. I I didn't enjoy it. I was, I was just moved to, I felt so bad for these characters and I felt so nervous for what was about to happen to them and I felt so connected to the material again in a way that I haven't in maybe the last two or three years mm-hmm. so from that point of view I there's no possible way I can call this a bad movie no. it really works it gets the job done you know yes but and, and I agree it's, it's that laugh oh my god like almost the last like essentially I, I was texting you during this movie which maybe isn't a great sign but uh, <laughs> yeah it never is but I, I remember like after the the scene where the forest starts burning down the movie started to take its hold on me right I, I remember very distinctly I was like hmm I felt the same way I'm a little more engaged now because what's happening is that much more interesting to me I felt the same way because the thing about the first half is that it quite literally is just establishing the the dynamic and the, the sort of the 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 routine of this family and what they have to go through. And it's interesting and it's nice and it's very real. It's very clear that this, this comes from a personal place, but that's all it is. Right. There's not, there's no dramatic heft to most of that first half for me personally, mm-hmm. aside from, you know, a naked martial arts scene, which is. So this is the scene I want to talk about. <laughs> you want to talk about this? I found this scene fucking hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was so goddamn funny. Do you think it was supposed to be funny? I think, listen, I'm not a big social justice warrior guy. I'm not a big toxic masculinity guy. But, like, this was the most hilarious satirization of toxic masculinity I have ever seen. It was so goddamn funny. The pole as sort of, like, this phallic object, his sort of just, like, raw masculinity this this martial arts display he's putting on for this woman as though it's supposed to turn her on and meanwhile you get the reverse shot of her and she is not impressed by any of it at all like she doesn't find any of this sexy it's just sort of okay yeah like i'm a woman and i guess you're a strong dude that likes doing karate so i guess all right we'll have sex now his dick is just flopping in the wind It's, it's very uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable, <laughs> but I, I just found it to be hysterical. It, I guess it makes more sense in retrospect now because it's actually funnier to me, this idea later on in the movie where she comes back to him. Right. And he's just like, if you come after me again, I'm going to be- essentially beat the shit out of you. And he does like this kung fu move in front of her. Right. And that was kind of funny to me because I'm like, you're a fucking loser. I, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? You lame piece of shit. But he looks in that scene just so pathetic. That's yeah. the key. As, and he thinks he looks awesome, but he doesn't. He looks small and weak and and stupid. And and I, I just find that hilarious. And I know, like, it's not meant to be comedy, but it is meant to be satire. Uh, and and uh, so I will say, as, as uncomfortable as that scene was, yeah. and I'm like, oh, shit, this is the type of movie we're getting into now. I thought it, it worked. That yeah. scene worked, as many scenes in this movie did, by yes. the way. <laughs> it's It's got something to say, clearly. It's just like... All right. Like my my reaction was just like, uh, what? What? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, okay, I guess that could work. Yeah, it's 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 fair. What did you think of the lead performance in this? I love this girl. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. I mean, I I, I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite performance of this year, but she's quite good. 
She's quite good. Yeah. Y- Yalitza yeah. uh, a, a Pars- a Parcio. Named after one of my favorite movies of all time, Cleo from 5 to 7. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Which is a, which is a French New Wave film. One of your favorite movies of all time. Yep. Okay. Directed by Agnes Varda. All right, word. Great uh, film. I thought she was, was, was quite good in this as well. It's an understated performance. Um, it's quiet. It's not going to get a lot of awards <coughs> attention, probably. Um, and... <coughs> Like most performances like this don't normally get awards attention. Uh, but yeah, this movie could have easily fallen apart if I didn't believe her journey. And I did believe her journey. Uh, and it also asks a lot of her in the dramatic moments. Like at first you're sort of thinking, all right, it's kind of easy to fall into the rhythm of this movie. And all right, so you're just being asked to clean up some dog shit and clean the house and tell the children some bedtime stories. Yeah. But by the end of this movie, like particularly when she's giving birth yeah, asks a lot and asks a lot of her when she's saving the kids from drowning and asks a lot when she goes on that vacation and she does a lot of subtle things very well and i and mm-hmm. i was captivated by her and liked her a lot just her character kind of has to be subtle too when you think about it because she's just kind of the silent maid in a lot of ways right but you know but you still get the sense that uh they love her at least they're supposed to love her i certainly felt that at the end too right all the way through there is a weird camaraderie with her but it's it's quite touching but it becomes it becomes more obvious to me as the film uh kind of chugs along because she feels almost like our vessel into the the story otherwise even though the, the movie's really about her right honestly but at the same time, it just feels like her kind of going through this life with this family, and and you know it's, it it doesn't, it sort of re- slowly reveals itself to me, yeah, as to how how important uh, her character is supposed to be, and how you know I guess emotionally resonant she actually was with me. I didn't really realize it until I suppose she was becoming as desperate as she was. Yeah, it's no. an interesting way to tell the story too, and it's an interesting relationship to explore mm. because she is a paid worker. And, like, her life is to serve this family, her and, and one other uh, servant that this middle-class family has. But what you ultimately realize is that she is sort of a surrogate mother and an emotional... Uh, it's almost like when the children's father left the picture, the mother took on the role of the father and Cleo took on the role of the mother. Yep, you know it's a, it's a, it was that interesting role reversal. She was the sort of nurturing, uh, loving, give you lots of hugs and tuck you in at night figure, and the mother, who I also thought was a tremendous performance out of this woman named uh, Marina de Tavira, who played Sophia, the the mother of these four kids. Uh, she sort of took on the, I'm the protector. I am the emotionless, well, she, sort of rock for these kids to rest on she's the one who hits the kids that's true too yeah <laughs> so yeah and and so she her str- I, I thought that was a tremendous performance too and should be considered for best supporting actress i, I think i don't know if she'll ultimately get a nomination i think I, I it would be a very welcome addition in that category i just thought her sort of stoic uh, again just strength was awesome I really enjoyed that character, and I and I enjoyed that relationship between her and the kids. Because you normally see the wives in these types of movies, once their man abandons them, you just see them in shambles, and they have a lot of crying scenes, and they have a lot of very loud, uh, emotionally cathartic scenes. Yeah. 
she was purposefully emotionless, and that told you more about the character than any sort of big explosive scene could tell you. I agree. You know? Yes. It's good stuff. Yeah. Because the, those are really the, I mean, the, the, the most significant characters to focus on in the movie. That's kind of it, mm-hmm. sort of. But, you know, for, I mean, thank God that they're there. <laughs> Otherwise, right. it would have been a little little, little harder to get through the movie. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of loved her. I loved it. Pretty much everyone uh, in this film, there wasn't really a, a weak link, if I'm being totally honest. I even liked the kids. Yeah. The kids were, were, were very believable I liked the well. kids. I liked the boyfriend. Yeah. In, in the way that I, I think I was supposed to like the boyfriend. Yeah, well, likely just works as just a... Just a scumbag, right? Which he is total dirtbag. I love the grandmother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking about the grandmother too, but again, how how she just kind of mopes around the house and sort of has this weird, like, like overarching presence over everybody, but doesn't care to do much about it. Right. It's very interesting, but yeah, it rung very true to me. Yeah, I was gonna say I've 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 seen people like that. I've I've had people like that in in my family. I have grandmothers like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that are just sort of you have this respect for them that's sort of unspoken about. Yeah. And although she doesn't say much, when she does speak, it's like, holy shit, grandma's talking. Yep. Everybody get in line. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. like in the military, everybody <laughs> at, at attention, you know. Yeah. But then she knows that uh, she's good about it when she has to break down and look helpless later right? in the film. Certainly. Which is, which is who? Great scene. Mm. Great scene. So, yeah, the movie does take a while to get going. We're introduced to Cleo. We're introduced to her boyfriend who stands her up at the movies after we find out that she's pregnant. Um, that scene, like many scenes in this movie, didn't cut when you expect it to cut. Nope. There's not much cutting in this movie. A lot of scenes just sort of hang there and uh, let you come to the conclusion on your own. I thought that was the best use of that technique. Well, I was just about to say, this movie does a thing that, like, like amateur films have this problem with where they, they're, you're cutting a scene together, but they don't know when to, to cut it short right or they don't know when the 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 point is to change the next shot so the pause happens for too long and it's just you you could tell it's just a a shitty filmmaker doing a shitty job but this for some reason used that very very well and wisely to make you a little more uncomfortable with the moment and to give you a sense that something was kind of wrong right and it happens frequently throughout but especially in that scene where you're just expecting it to go to you know more so for the movie to cut short for her to walk out maybe like look for him but that doesn't really happen she's just sitting there lonely and we're sitting there lonely with her because we're kind of put at the perspective of someone in the crowd as well we're sort of seat level with her and it's uh yeah i because i remember watching and thinking like hmm like 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 the way they were talking to each other the way they were acting with one another didn't give me the sense right off the bat that he was going to leave but then as the the camera just sits there and doesn't do anything i'm just like Oh right! Oh no, he's gone. And you're coming to the conclusion at the yeah. same time she's coming to. He's the gone. Conclusion. Yep, exactly. And that's something that I appreciate, although it's challenging and doesn't make for the most entertaining popcorn movie. It's not a popcorn f- uh, right. movie at all. It's right. not for it's not for everybody. It's right. a, it's a hard movie to recommend. Yeah, that's certainly. what I will say. Certainly, uh, but that scene, like many other scenes, there's this inherent sense of dread that just gets stronger and stronger and stronger as the movie goes on and as the scene advances uh to at the end of it where you're just stuck sitting on the front steps of the movie theater with her yep and thinking oh shit what a fucking dirtbag mm-hmm. like i want to wring that guy's neck right now mm-hmm. you know and again, her performance is just so sincere and so likable and so gentle it's like how could you fucking mess with this delicate flower of a human being like who the fuck do you think you are? And it's weird how it pays off in the end, oddly for her, which is my reading of it. When 
uh, later on in the film when the riots are happening and he's discovered to be one of the guys rioting and uh-huh. killing people essentially. Right. And he comes uh, and and ends up running into her, holding her at gunpoint. And there's just something about his humiliation and 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 shame with the fact that he was that he actually saw her and uh, uh, he let her see him like this. Oh, that's interesting. That like they like say something about that and just the way he reacted and then ran away from her just made made it feel like okay she kind of you know got one up on him. It's all, yeah. Even though yeah. he's the aggressor and he's the one with the gun, he feels more shame than she does in that moment. Yep. Exactly. Because, because it's almost like it's she has the strength and he has the weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just another coward running around with all of the cool kids looting a bunch of stores and shooting a bunch of people. Yep. I mean, you just look at the way it ends. I mean, he uh, the way the scene plays out, he runs into her and he's the one who runs away from her again. Right. Just out of fear. Right. That's really all it is. Because she doesn't react. Because we don't really understand that it's out of fear at first. I mean, we kind of do. And then it just becomes a display of masculinity. And then it's just like, okay, he's just pathetic. Right. By the end of it, when he holds her at gunpoint, and then he's like, okay, what the hell am I doing? And he yeah. freaks out, goes away. That's fascinating. Yeah. I like that. Let's talk about the military stuff. Because I'll admit, I'm not like a big Mexican history guy. <laughs> okay. So I feel like I might be missing a little bit of context. Me too. Me um, too. And, and so I don't know exactly what was going on in Mexico at the time. I, I understand that it was a period of political unrest, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is present throughout the film. I, 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 I don't know exactly what the movie was trying to say about that. And I, I wonder if you have sort of a better interpretation than me. You know, I'm gonna be the historian that I am and claim to know more than I actually do. Okay, you know, please do. I actually don't know a goddamn thing about this. Okay, but uh, maybe it was to add more to the setting and the time. And because like, I'm under the impression that Curon lived through some of this too, yes, right? Yes. It it would have been nice to get a little more context because I was a little confused about what was going on half the time with that. But I I, I honestly don't know. Okay. But it, it, I mean, I will say that it felt like it belonged. It didn't necessarily feel out of place in the sense that I'm like, okay, what the hell was that? Because I, because I was like, oh, this, this makes sense. I just didn't know what it was. Right. I did find those scenes to be mesmerizing. Yes. Like I found that scene of them shopping for the crib, just like when as she's looking out the window and she's seeing the full scope of the wreckage, mm-hmm. and even at the end of that shot where when they're running away. The woman is there with her dead husband saying, help, 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 Ugh. and no one's coming. I, I I, just, I found that very moving. And this guy, clearly, after we saw uh, Children of Men, knows how to make a scene like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> un- understands, understands how... Understand just chaos? Yes, chaos, <laughs> but never losing sight of the detail yep. that it's involved with chaos. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just a an atomic blast from five miles away. Like you're in the trenches and you're watching how this chaos affects each individual. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks both big and small at the same time. And the smallness is almost the bigness. (laughs) You know, it's almost, it's almost the, the little things make it look big. Yep. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, I can go on and on. And it's Alfonso, but that, that detail was just that, that scene ultimately ends with her giving birth. That's really what it builds to. Right. Because it's, it's the reason, well, kind of, but it's the reason that her uh, water ends up breaking and she has to have the baby. And, uh, there's sort of a weird foreshadowing of the, of what ends up happening with the baby, but, uh, with the earthquake scene. Why the, what, uh, oh, right. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we get the fact that it's a stillborn baby that right. she was carrying. When did you when did you figure out that that baby was not going to make it? I 
didn't really figure it out. Okay, I don't think I, I, I'm referencing the 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 uh, baby that was uh, pretty much killed in the earthquake. Because uh, I mean, I figured that out a little li- little later. I think I figured that out after I watched, it and I was sort of reflecting. On oh, I didn't e- see. I didn't even realize that that baby had died. I yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it looked like it was like breathing very, very, very slowly. Okay. Like it was gonna die. Okay, I didn't. I did not even realize that. Yeah. Okay, that was the point anyway. And the, similarly, the way it lingers on the sh- that shot, the way it does with many other shots in the film, just to give you a sense that something's very wrong here. Yeah. And that happens again with the scene um, when she's actually giving birth. It's all pretty much just one shot of her trying to get the baby out. And there's that they just hold on her like, okay, your placenta's coming out. I'm just like, oh yeah, don't do this. Uh, Jesus know. Christ, Jesus Christ. I I sort of realized it once the one doctor put his stethoscope to her stomach. And it wasn't even. Oh, that yeah, no, no, no. That makes sense. He did say, "I'm not there's, hearing anything." There's but no it, heartbeat. It was almost like before, before he even said that, and he just sort of started feeling around. I'm like, "Uh oh, like we're lingering on this for some reason." And every time this movie has decided to linger on something, it's never ended well. No, but, no yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? If it follows suit, and you get the sense that yeah, I mean, the the the, the thoughts kind of naturally going to cross your mind no matter what. I mean, I, I kind of had the same thought, but I was like. You know, maybe it's not going to happen. Right. Because I've seen plenty of movies where that has happened, where it's like, oh, there's no heartbeat, but then they have it and they save the baby. Sure. But I don't know. Something about the the this this film's attitude and what it's trying to say here, yeah, it's probably not. And how last. it's how it's trying to tell it to you. Yeah. Like the movie takes its time and lets you reach those own conclusions, and that's what's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's set up for this final scene in the ocean that was sort of a subversion of that yes which i loved and perhaps that was intentional Mm -hmm. but we are used to this woman's life go very very wrong uh when that baby came out stillborn man i was just a wreck i I really was because i kept hoping they kept pumping the things stomach and tried resuscitating it and giving it oxygen and when nothing was happening, I, I I just I wanted to turn it off. That's how I felt. They never and they never rack focus to the baby, almost R- as if you're never allowed to have the baby, right? Which is neat. Well, you're also looking at it through her eyes. Yes, and you all, it also got me thinking. Oh shit! Yeah, how do you tell a woman that her baby was just born stillborn? <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, how is this gonna actually go over? Right, and it's very like procedural and and like this matter of fact. Like this is how it is. We're sorry. You can hold your baby for a minute, but we got to take it away. Mm-hmm. And it's really heartbreaking and tragic. Yeah. And also, like, she's there in the room. It, it, it came right out of her and is now on the table right next to her. And it comes she, out, and I'm just like, whoa, she gave birth. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Right. I guess, I guess it's born now. Right. It just happens, too. Right. But it doesn't stop there. there there's a weird momentum to the birth scene, even after it just kind of lingers on her trying to look at her baby and you know, squeeze her placenta out. Right. It's really... I know, and you just imagine to yourself, oh yeah, she's thinking everything that we're thinking. Yeah, it's like you've almost you almost want them to break it to her in a delicate way, mm-hmm. but no, she's gonna find it out just mm-hmm. as you're, you know. And there's no right way to do it, and it's just she like, never looks at the doctor who's who's telling her to you know to squeeze more and whatnot. She's just like, I wanna, right. I wanna see how my baby's doing because they're giving him CPR. God, they're giving my baby CPR. Oh man, Ugh. it was horrible. It was terrible. Yeah. What do you think of the divorce stuff with the dad? Mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. It wasn't very surprising to me. Yeah. There's something about that scene that didn't ring totally true to me. Which I, one in particular? I like Like the dinner scene, which may have worked for you. It didn't really quite work for me. There's something like I... Well, I hmm. 
I don't buy that a wife is that like like happy about a divorce because she was clearly like being like it's a good thing and it's fine and we did this for you guys and you know we 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 left so that your dad could get his stuff and I'm like here's the I I know a lot of people who've been divorced a lot of women that have been divorced and they're they're it, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to them sure it's, and it and it was the worst thing that happened to this wife I think sure. You know, I, I and I just think it was the performance she was putting on because, again, her role of a mother is more important than her role of a wife in I, that moment. I, well, she sold it like she believed that that happiness, though. Like when I was watching it, it didn't feel like she was putting on a ruse for the kids. I didn't. I didn't. No, I, I felt that way. No, nah, I didn't get that at all. That okay. was that was the one scene I was like mm, a little little off the mark here, but uh, otherwise it was nice because you get the sense of that like throughout the film beforehand. Like like when she's getting angry at the kids, or when she's actually getting angry at him on the phone, or with the car when she's smashing into the walls, right? Which is great stuff. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that she thought it was a great opportunity. I I just think like that's yeah. how you sell it, mm-hmm. and it was all premeditated. She was going to take them to this beautiful vacation spot. They were going to enjoy their week, and she was going to drop it to them over yes. ice cream. But here's the thing, like like like, and this is going to sound weird to me. Cut to a like a shot of her face. Yeah, <laughs> this this film has this funny like this is the opposite effect of uh, uh, films I criticize with close ups. Yeah, there were like no close ups in this. There's movie. like hardly any. This is this film's almost irritatingly wide. Yeah, I felt the same way. That's so interesting because like like at a certain point like to, the part of the visual language is just communicating ideas, and you really don't communicate that idea visually if you don't give a, a, a better sense of how she's feeling in that moment because it's all wide and it's all the family, but you can do that better by just you know cutting back and forth between them. It was, I think, Alfonso's loyalty to this idea that we're going to shoot this as though a kid is remembering it mm-hmm. and not as a detailed portrait of what actually happened. Yes. Um, you're right. It did lessen the impact at times. Though. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's like, it does, it's like, yeah, that's, that's admirable, but it doesn't always sink. It doesn't always hit you the way I think it, it needs to hit you. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting nonetheless. It, it certainly has the idea there. I just wanted to feel a greater emotional impact. I felt bad for the kid who was crying, that one kid. Right. Which is really sad, but. As they're eating ice cream. And yeah. There's just, literally a wedding going on right next to them. And that's the problem. It's like, a, <laughs> it's kind of a funny scene in that way. I'm like, was that the point? I don't know. I don't know. I, it was. It's confused. Here's the problem: is that I don't ever want to be confused like that in a movie. Yeah. I think that's always a bad sign. So I know you felt that way about the fire. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I just get this fucking just sarcastic ass text message from Adam <laughs> yesterday, and he just goes to me, "Oh no, there's a fire in the bushes outside. <laughs> Are they gonna have enough buckets of water to put it out?" <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, cut the shit, dude. I like that scene. It's beautiful. I love that scene. I love the guy singing. I don't know what the hell that was all about. It was just so weird and no, foreign. But, but it I, felt very foreign film. Like That's like the one thing that's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm watching a movie in another language. Possibly. Yeah. I just remember being like, okay, so what? There's a fire. Great. Right. I, I gained very little from that scene. What's up with that family? Is that family in the mafia? I don't know. I have not with the guns and whatnot. Yeah. Maybe that's just something people do. You know, playing with guns is a, is a common thing. Certainly in this, that's not something that you, you wouldn't find in the South. I got the sense they were in the mafia. Really? I remember like they're talking about whacking somebody. <laughs> there was like a line about, oh, I'm going to take you out if you, if you rat on me or something. Okay. I got the sense they were in the mafia. And I thought that was way overlooked. It's like, what? what? And I... then they called the guy Don. Ah. They called the, the main 
the grandfather or whatever, the patriarch of the family, they called him Don. Okay. And then they talked about all, you know, I mean, the, the fires were set as some sort of retaliation for something, right? Those weren't just naturally occurring. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But, like, who cares? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I care. I want more. <laughs> well, that's the problem. Give me more like, of the mafia story. It's like, what, 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 what? Let's make all this right. a mob movie. <laughs> I was very intrigued as to the whole business of that. Sure. I wanted to know why they were showing up at some mafioso's house for Christmas. There's many scenes in this that meander in that way where you sort of sit back afterwards and you're like, well, that was beautiful. And there are some beautiful moments in between all that. But like, what was the point? Right. Happens quite frequently in the film. And that has a, a tendency to happen with many films like this that are sort of plotless. I mean, this is the, the, the story of this movie is just these people. Yeah. That's really all it is. The, it, you, you can't really sum this up as A happens, then B happens, then C happens, because that's not really what this film is about at all. You know what else I loved in this? What? I love the fucking dog. <laughs> I love the dog, too. I really love That's the big dog. of you, by the way, Nico, to say that you love the dog. Yeah, I kind of hate dogs. I know. Good year for dogs, though. <laughs> Good okay. year for dogs. <laughs> Widows? This one? Uh, was John Wick? No, no John Wick movie this year. You're forgetting one. What am I forgetting? Star is Born. Good dog and Star is Born. Yes, good point. Probably the best dog, by the way. Oh, let's rank this shit. <sighs> <laughs> let's rank the dogs. The year that, uh, <laughs> I, uh, oh, I like Dog and Widows the best. I like Dog and Widows. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sidekick dog. It's it's not it's it fills a spot. I don't know. I gotta go. Star is born number one all the way. Well, I love that scene where he's feeding the dog. I mean, that's the key. Is that uh, it just gives you chills? No, chills well, that's up the, the no spine. no dog worked as as well as the dog in, in as Star is born. Like the dog almost kind of makes that final shot of uh, Jackson when he's hanging there in the in, in the garage. Isle of Dogs came out this year. That's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> There's dogs in it. Uh, yeah, they they could be. The Grinch had a, had a dog. Max is in that movie. I'll, I'll I'll put Isle of Dogs at like number three. Okay, here we go. An ode to twenty eighteen film dogs. <laughs> this is on Vanity Fair. You got Charlie on a Star Is Born. Oh yeah, you got Franklin Pierce, President Pierce, and Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh yeah, good dog. Damn, Great year right. for dogs. I'm telling oh, you, that's right. Olivia from Widows. Damn. Uh, Benji. There was a Benji movie. Oh yeah, Bastion from Game Night. Did you see Game Night? I did see Game Night. You did. Do you like it? I kind of liked it. I liked. I love that movie. (laughs) I love Game Night. (laughs) Game Night's kind of dope. Underrated. That that is a dope movie. Right. It may not be in my top ten, but it's in my top (laughs) twenty. Of wait, last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Directed. It was this year, right? Came out. Came out in February. Was it this year? Yeah. Interesting. Directed by John Francis Daly from Freaks and Geeks, the little kid. Oh, yeah, okay. Who dates the cheerleader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Know, I'm sure that. Interesting cinematography. I kind of love the cinematography. Looks like a million bucks. That movie looks really looks like a legitimate action caper. But there's like like one like wonderful idea like it's some ambitious filmmaking in that. I actually quite liked it. Right. Yeah. Love Jesse Plemons too. Yeah. I just think he's fantastic. <laughs> Jesse Plemons is. Awesome, and that that dude comes out with like two or three great performances a year, and this is a great one. This is one of my favorite Jesse Plemons performances. Isn't he such a fucking piece of shit? He's so weird. I hate him, but he's so fuck it. It's so easy to hate. It's the it's the biggest laugh in the whole movie every time he's on screen. Yes, he's tremendous, and had a great dog. And that was the dog that got covered in the blood. Remember? Oh, that's such a great scene. (laughs) Such a great scene. 
I wish I could quote more of that character because he's so goddamn funny in every scene. He's so creepy. Game night. And Boris was the name of the dog in Roma. I just like how much air time he got. Or I, I should say hang time because that dude could jump really high mm. up against that door. He kept doing that. I love, I love the scenes when he's jumping for their hands, trying to bite them, like yeah. nibble on them. But my favorite shot is when he's uh, in the hail and he's underneath that. Uh, oh, yeah. He's underneath that little deck and he's just kind of like, I don't know what to do about this. Right. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Man, good movie. Yes. And the end, I, we should just talk about the end, I guess. Um, I, I was so riveted. And I and I, I think I was only riveted because I just saw what came before it, which was that hor- horrifying stillborn scene. Mm-hmm. And you're just on the beach and you think to yourself, oh my God, she's going to lose more children. I had the feeling that she was going to finally redeem herself with this one. And okay. I, I, it sounds weird saying redeem herself because it's not her fault. But right. Like she needed to redeem it for herself in her mind. Sure. That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, uh, she yeah she never got the chance to be a mother, and so this is the closest thing she's gonna get to ever being a mother. Well, it, it's it's further emphasized when she says, "I never wanted that thing to be born." Right, because she kind of already had her children there. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, it's a really interesting movie about motherhood and how being a mother is not necessarily about delivering a baby that's genetically the same as you. Mm-hmm. You know, like anybody could be a mother. It's just a matter of being there for emotional support and nurturing and loving unconditionally. Um, and that scene at the end was just so well made. The, it tracks her up and down the beach. It's a, it's a hard. Oh my god, I can't imagine the the the, the technical challenges you have to do. And because I was watching, I was like, how did they shoot this thing? Right, because it was not handheld. No, nope. you, you could not have pulled that off being handheld. I was like, maybe it's on a crane from the beach, but then you have to worry about it falling in because of the weight. Right. I was like, did they build a platform that was strong enough to just track across? Like, that's really hard to do. Right. And like, then once the children are drowning, like, also practically you have to pull And they're in off. this, like, like horrible current that, like, I was like, they're going to, these actors are going to die. I know. <laughs> like, they're eight years old. I know. It's freaky, but it's mm. really, really, really well done. Incredibly well done. The speed at which she walks is just so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not quite concerned. But but it's also like something's so, yeah. on the back of her head so, where yeah, it's like I gotta deal with these children and then it becomes uh, I gotta deal with these children okay I gotta deal with these fucking children right because you always you hope for the best although things don't always go right like you suspect everything's gonna be okay and then you slowly realize that oh no things are not gonna be okay and I gotta go save <laughs> yeah. these guys yeah. now it makes it's like it, <laughs> I I don't know why this is gonna kind of weird you out but I was I was thinking of uh, a certain scene from Under the Skin. Where the uh-huh. same exact thing happens, except it doesn't go as well. And that scene is like the worst thing I've ever seen in film. It just breaks my heart. Yeah. Where where the there's some some dog goes out and gets caught in the current, obviously drowns, and then the yeah. wife, you know, and here's the here's the problem that I have with that. No, not a problem, it's accurate, is that there's many, many, many people who would go out after their dog like that. Right. And then they would die too. And then the husband does the same exact thing. Right. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't watch it. It's terrible because I could I, I could see this happening to of me. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's just like, and it's also like the water. It's just, <laughs> it's the, the further out you go, the worse it gets. It's just yeah, it's like, like this vast, almost this, this black hole that you get sucked into. Even though I love the sea. I do too, but it's horrifying. It is horrifying. I know. No yeah. one wants to go under there. But she got the kids. She got the kids and everything worked out okay. And again, my visceral reaction was put at ease and I was like, okay. <sighs> and satisfying at the end of it all. Yes. It felt good and it and it did feel like a roller coaster. And it felt like it was intended to feel, I think. And I love the scene when they're driving home when she can finally sit and relax with it all and she actually finally looks happy for once. Right. It's nice. 
This is a good movie. Yeah, I came around to it. I'm still kind of mixed on it. I don't love it. Yeah. But uh, like, it's hard for me to. Uh, it, it's hard to deny that this is a like a like a supremely well made film. Yes. Like I like again, it's it's more of a film that I admire more than I actually like. But do you think that maybe because I I do think Alfonso is going to win Best Director. That's just my gut. I don't know if he will, but that's just my gut. Mm, possibly. I. This is a tough. This is a yeah. This is a tough year actually. I don't know. I wonder if, uh, and we talk about this quite a bit, this is going to be another example of we don't know what it takes to be a director. Like, we don't know exactly, and I, listen, I've never spent any time on a film set, so I certainly don't know what the job description entails. But I do think that, like, in general, Oscar voters tend to award films that look like this rather than look like A Star is Born. And I thought Bradley Cooper did a great job with A Star is Born, but it it's not as flashy looking. It's not as elegant. The cinematography is not as good. And sometimes we dis- we mistake cinematography for direction. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Well, that's what's gonna. That's what keeps getting it for me is that the look of a film, like desperately carries it at, at times. Like I always say, like in the case of The Revenant, I don't know if uh, Inarita would have won Best Director had it not been for that cinematography. Right. Because I I was like I mean it's nice what what he had to do was complicated. But I mean, if you look at everything that George Miller had to wrestle with on Fury Road, I mean, it's I don't I I cannot wrap my head around how George Miller didn't get that aside from the fact that Mad Max isn't an Oscar film. Yeah, it's well, it's not. That's that, why that, is that really it? Yeah, that is it. That's entirely it. And I and I wonder if this is going to be a similar thing. Like being a director doesn't just involve making a shot look pretty. Nope. Like being a director means getting good performances out of your actors. Yep. And it means conveying the material in an emotionally satisfying way, mm. blocking, uh, editing, pacing, like the tone. That that's what a director yeah. is in charge of. They yeah. oversee the whole process. You're, you're, no, you're you're capturing a piece. Right. As the whole, it has to feel like a complete piece at yeah. the end of it. Sorry, but you know the predator is not going to get anything. This no, year, you're which prob- is unfortunate. You're probably right. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I don't know. I just feel like a star is born. As a whole, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with the top ten. It's list. close, though. I it's think a Star is Born is a better movie. I do. Yeah. I think it's a better movie and a more satisfying movie and a more complete movie. Yes. Um, not as, maybe not nearly as personal. No, certainly not as personal. It doesn't look as good as uh as uh Roma, but there is something about that movie. I don't know what what that movie manages to accomplish. Like I had no doubts in my mind that Roma was going to be what it was. I sort of saw it and I was like, yeah, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. This doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. But all in all, it's like, yeah, this is kind of the film I expected it to be. Whereas Star is Born, I didn't expect it to be even half as good as it was. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, I even feel the same way about Widows. I don't know. Like I just feel like Steve McQueen, I I would take that style of direction over... Alfonso style of direction any day of the week. Alfonso's style feels like it, like again, it's like he went back to. This feels like something that you would make right out of film school. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, it's great. Yeah, I, I have a slight stigma for stuff like that, but there, but there is a lot of again, there's a lot to admire about it. There's a lot to appreciate, and you shouldn't give it. You shouldn't take away all of its credence because, at the end of the day, that style is does feel a little more genuine than you know, say. Say even maybe even something like widows. I don't know, but yeah, and also made for award shows, and that's what Netflix was doing here. Let's not lie. Like Netflix, that's the thing that I'm. Yeah, Netflix did not pay fifteen million dollars so they could preserve the art of film. 
Netflix paid $15 million so they could win a shiny trophy. So they, they can win their first Oscar. That's, that's what this is about. This is about bringing legitimacy to the Netflix brand. Mm-hmm. Uh that's my biggest issue. With it this it remains to be seen if that's how this is going to shake out for them. But let's not kid ourselves here. Like this ain't, yeah. you know, like a mom and pop movie theater, <laughs> you know, showing a, a an original print of 2001. This is for kids who go to NYU. Yeah. That's what this movie is. Right. Right. I love Alfonso. I don't want to take anything away from him. The dude's no, awesome. He should not, make, he should I'm have not going the, to. Yeah. He should have the opportunity to make this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. But there's a little cynicism behind the scenes, I think. Yeah, I, Netflix is full of shit. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing before I even watched this. Right. I was like, well, wait a second. I know the kind of movie that this is but, but before even watching it because I, I, I watched the preview trailer that Netflix always throws. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I know what this is going to be. Wait a second. Why does Netflix want this? Oh, that's why Netflix wants this. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Not a Netflix movie. Doesn't belong on Netflix, really. No. It belongs in movie theaters and needs to be seen on the big screen in my opinion mm-hmm. and by the way it also like makes me appreciate the coens a lot more because netflix hired them for ballad of buster scruggs and they just gave them the giant fu <laughs> like this is how the coens roll uh-huh. you know it, it, they somehow find a way to subvert expectations in this multi-billion dollar machine isn't it great i just love them man God, i love them they're just such nefarious guys <laughs> they don't give a shit i love it I love it, and they keep making good stuff. I was watching uh, Burn After Reading, actually. Awesome movie! (laughs) So underrated! (laughs) That movie is a trip. Brad Pitt is so goddamn good in that movie. (laughs) It is one of their best characters, I swear to God. He is is among their finest creations. Yeah. And Francis is awesome, too, as the trainer. I love it. I love it so much. Where's the money? (laughs) He didn't give it to me. He hit me. You fuck. <laughs> Burn after reading. <laughs> Fucking oh my god, John Malkovich. He's just being John Malkovich, but I love tremendous. Him. I love him. I love him so much. He's such a buffoon in that too. Oh it's god. like, wait, you stole from me? Why would you do that? <laughs> well, like he's so not threatening in any way. Give me the CD or the floppy disk or whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> <laughs> just before you give us the money, dickwad. <laughs> All right, we are approaching the holidays, the end of the year. Yes. Uh, it's Christmas a week from today, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. That makes me uncomfortable. By the way, I think it's official that we can call Die Hard a Christmas movie because I was watching a, a very Christmas-like T-Mobile commercial. And guess what those kids were watching around a, a, right next to the tree? Fucking Die Hard. Makes me very happy that the commercial industry has acknowledged this, Nika. It bothers me that the commercial industry has embraced <laughs> yeah. this. That really bothers me. I don't like that at all. Oh, I don't I... need the man telling me that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. <laughs> you I already know it's a Christmas movie. I already movie. know it's a Christmas movie. I'm not a sheeple. Is you don't it... have to spoon feed me advice <laughs> on genre. This is becoming what? Is this like the, the, the whole... You sound like comic book fans when, when comic book films went mainstream. Yeah, bruh. I don't like it. They were it. for us. Yeah, stay away from my stupid action movies from the 80s. <laughs> Lie out, like, fucking get out of here. I think it's official. It's become mainstream. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Lay off, bro. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, all right, we should we should talk this out. Okay. We're going to do an end of the year wrap up at some point in the next two or three weeks. Okay. I think. If we have seen everything that needs to be seen. Send me that list and I will try to see as I will, many as I can. Yes. I will send you that list and we will compare our top 10 list for the end of 2018. 
I don't know if you want to squeeze in one more between now and then. Uh, is there anything that you've been dying to discuss? I would like to see the new Spider-Man movie. Okay, maybe we could do that. I, would... I, don't, I don't know if that's going to like fill an hour, though. But we can try it. Uh, Lord of Miller, apparently it's fantastic, and there's lots of Spider-Man movies to talk about. That's true. Lots of good and bad Spider-Man movies. Oh, great. We can do that again. As if we haven't had that conversation before. <laughs> we have not had that conversation. Yes, on this we podcast. have. Not on this podcast. We haven't talked about Spider-Man? No. When the hell have we talked about Spider-Man? Didn't we do one about Spider-Man Homecoming? No. Remember, we skipped over that one because I think I didn't get a chance to see it. Okay. I think we went to Ragnarok instead. Fine. We'll talk, we'll talk about the Spider-Man cartoon and then talk about the <laughs> Spider-Man fucking franchise as if the internet isn't full of that already. <laughs> it's like I, I try to give people a service that they can't find anywhere else. Right. I, I think all your Spider-Man hot takes can be found far and wide on this internet. But fine. We'll do your fucking Spider-Man if movie. If you want to. We don't have to. Well, I, I would just like to see that movie. Okay. Here's what's coming out in the next week. And you tell me what piques your interest. Mary Poppins Returns. I mean, I'm going to see that. Okay. In the mix for some Oscars, by the way. I'm going to see that. Emily Blunt, maybe. A friend of mine is in the movie, so. Really? Yeah. Yeah, a guy I made a short film with over in England. Okay. He's in the, he's in the film. Is he an extra? What is he? Uh, yeah, he, I, he actually put up a, a picture of his credit. I forgot what he was. He's like a dancer in, in the film. Okay. But yeah, John Scott Clark. Cool. Yeah. Shout out to John Clark Clark. John Scott, Scott Clark. Clark. I know it's tough. But. Okay. <laughs> Star of Mary Poppins Returns. Star. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He wishes. Cool. Um, Aquaman. No. You sure? Yeah. You positive? Pretty positive. Are you aware Dolph Lundgren's in this movie? I don't give a fuck. Are you aware? Nico, I'm not going to see the movie. Ivan Drago. I'm not going to see the movie. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. This y- one. You're aware of where Rocky Four is on my list, so... Uh, welcome to Marwin. Should Robert I s- Zemeckis. Mm. Steve Carell. It, it looks... <laughs> weird yeah I, I, i'm not into it i'm gonna say no okay i'm gonna say hard pass on that right. vice yes mixed reviews i saw this week really yeah christian bale's in it though and it's adam mckay and i'm fascinated by dick cheney's story so <laughs> i think i'll i'll, I'll just something yeah Carell is donald rumsfeld oh my god what rockwell is george w bush oh yeah, that's right yeah Clemens is in it. Uh-huh. Amy Adams is in it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's in all of these movies. Still don't like Amy Adams very much. Although, uh, Abby and I watched uh, Big Eyes the other day, and she fucking loved it, and I fucking loved that movie as well. So, uh, Holmes? Uh, and Watson? No. Okay. Uh, Destroyer with Nicole Kidman? She looks very ugly in this movie. What the hell is Destroyer? I don't know. Nicole Kidman's ugly. She wants an Oscar. That's basically the plot. No. <laughs> that's that's the plot. <laughs> I think so. I'm ugly. I want an Oscar. I want a, I want a, a it's, trophy. It's the Charlize and Monster thing. But Charlize is like really good in Monster. Yeah, but she uglied herself up. That's but she's thing. really fucking good. Anyway. If Beale Street could talk? No. No? Nah. We might have to give that a, a look. Mm. Okay. You sure? Yeah. Barry Jenkins? Mm. I don't really like moonlight yeah we talked about that so <laughs> and this one is perhaps th- this is the one to watch here bumblebee bumblebee transformers renaissance y'all you ready for this did you see bumblebee no but it's coming out next week and it's got like a 98 percent on rotten tomatoes it's supposed to be tremendous it's the guy that did kubo and the two strings which i have not seen which apparently is great i've heard that's great he directed this one 
Apparently, the Transformers franchise will never be the same. <laughs> okay. Bumblebee. 95% on Rotten Tomatoes currently. All right. Bumblebee proves it's possible to bring fun and a sense of wonder back to a bloated blockbuster franchise and sets up its own slate of sequels in the bargain. I, I, I'm, I've been checked out of the Transformers series for like 15 years. Apparently, this is a good one. Apparently, this is the first good Transformers movie. <laughs> I say 15 years because it wasn't. Well, actually, I could still say 15 years. Feels like 15 years. Yeah. But still, I don't, I don't care about Transformers. Just saying. We may need to talk about it. If it's truly this good, I think we may need to talk about it. You know it's it. not going to be that good, though. You realize that. Do you honestly believe it's going to be that good? John Cena. I don't... Ugh, fucking hell. Justin Thoreau. Fucking hell. Bumblebee. Haley Steinfeld. Never going to give you up. Do you see that part of the trailer where they're just rickrolling the audience? Mm-hmm. So stupid. They're not rickrolling. They're just using that song. I might be in. I think I might be in. Yeah. All right, that's it between now and the end of the year. Okay, so like not much. Yeah. I want to see the favorite. I want to see the favorite. Let's try doing that. Let's and try doing a podcast on the favorite between now and the end of the year, and then we'll do our year in review. Okay, because we didn't get Killing of a Sacred Deer in. Damn it. I never saw it. Damn it. I never saw it. The movie is so awesome. Is that streaming somewhere? I don't know. I'll I'll track it down and watch it. I don't know if you'll like I mean, well, you might. I, no, I definitely won't like it. <sighs> It, it's it's the same like attitude as the lobster, except uh-huh. it's not funny, <laughs> like the lobster. Well, that's a problem. So yeah, okay, yeah, I'm not gonna like it, but I'll I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah, and then we'll we'll try to see the favorite. Although this, the spaghetti scene, you'll love the spaghetti scene. Oh great, you'll Can't love wait. the spaghetti scene. Can't wait. Okay. All right. Uh, rest in peace, Penny Marshall. Okay. She died today. Poor Penny Marshall. I'll talk about her in our culture this week. All right. So there we go. And uh, I don't know. Rest in peace, Woody Allen. <laughs> Not dead. Not dead. <laughs> might as well be. But might as well be. <laughs> Happy holidays. Ser- sincerely, you guys. Uh, enjoy your Christmas. Uh, have a good one. Watch a lot of movies this weekend. Yeah. You have a nice long weekend. Four full days, 22nd to the 25th. Put the holiday shopping aside. Catch up on some movies. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys afterwards. And we'll we'll be back pretty soon to wrap up the year that was movie hopping. Until next time. Happy movie hopping.